You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. It's my privilege to open the word this morning, and if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you're a note taker and you want a title, my title this morning is simply, Sow It to Grow It. Sow it to grow it. And we're going to begin by reading some of the words that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. It says up there, Corinthians, it's actually 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I can't, uh, I can't grumble though, I was given some help with my PowerPoint and you know, if you, if you don't do it yourself and check it yourself, then you can't expect it to be all as you wanted it to be. So I'm deeply grateful Martin helped me last night. So, reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, and at all times, having all that you need, that's a lot of alls, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers, for you their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What a great, what a great phrase that is. Well, we'll come back to these verses in just a moment. But I want to ask a question. It's like, I don't know if any of you had a favorite book when you were growing up or a favorite story, something that you wanted to be read a lot. Often when little ones are growing up, there's one story that they want to be read all the time. In fact, if you're a parent, you probably know that story that your children want all the time and they bring you the book and you're like, please, please no, not that story again. Can we please do something different? But many, many children have a favorite book. And there's a book that was my favorite. We're going to have a picture up on here. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's called an arch book. I don't know if anyone else has come across these. These were Bible stories that were put to rhyme. So you could kind of help children to learn the Bible. I think we've got a picture there. The boy who gave his lunch away. This was my favorite story as a little girl. In fact, I asked for this to be read 
so much. I've got four sisters, and every one of them can recite at least the first five pages of the book because we've heard it so much. In fact, often when the whole family is together, or if the name Joel comes up because the character in the book is called Joel, someone will start off the story and everyone can join in and tell it in rhyme. This was one of my favorite books when I was a little girl. And of course, it tells the story of the miracle of Jesus that we find in all four of the Gospels. There's only one of his miracles we find told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The story of a hungry crowd far from home, where a boy gives his five loaves and his two fish, seemingly woefully inadequate, but he put it in Jesus' hands. And as he did that, it was multiplied, and there was an amazing miracle. I don't know why this was the book that was my favorite, but perhaps it was because it told a story of Jesus through the eyes of a child. Perhaps because it told the story of a little one who didn't have much, but was able to bring what they did have, and Jesus could use it. And Jesus involved them in being part of an amazing miracle that he was on with. I can see why as a child, I would have felt valued and invited and wanted to hear it again. You see, the little boy in the story, he could have eaten his lunch. No one would have blamed him for eating his lunch. It was his. In fact, maybe his mother would have been cross with him if he went home and said he hadn't eaten his lunch. That happens in some homes, doesn't it? Why didn't you eat the sandwich I made for you? Or maybe that's just in my house. But uh, I need to make better sandwiches, maybe. But he, he could have just eaten it. That's what he, he'd been given it to eat to make sure he wasn't hungry. But instead he gave it up and he put it in Jesus' hands. And as he does so, a child plays a key part in an unfolding miracle. Now, maybe like me, you've been encouraged, in the, uh, you've been challenged and encouraged in the last few weeks as we've looked at some different topics. A few weeks ago, Pastor Martin reminded us and asked us, you know, what kind of house will we build for the Lord? And we were challenged again to remember that one day, whatever we build, it's going to be tested with fire. We've been reminded that we're trying to build a house here so we can bring the kingdom. That's the whole point in what we're on with. And last week, Martin shared with us as we gave out these booklets the, the sense that the Lord is calling us in this next season to go deeper and to reach wider, to press on with what he's doing here in our city of Coventry. And you know, friends, our, what I sense is that as we seek to respond to God in this season, as we seek to enter into everything that he has for us, it's going to require what's in our hands. You see, throughout Scripture, God has always come to the people that he calls and the people that he uses, and he asks them what they've got. He always asks and he always uses what's already in their hands. If you're familiar with Moses, Moses, God comes to him and says, literally, what's in your hand? And it was a staff. Many times, God used that staff where Moses had to do something with it, step out in faith with it to bring deliverance and to bring provision for God's people. We see it again with Elisha in 2 Kings 4. He asks a widow who's got seemingly nothing left, he says, what have you got in your house? She says, nothing, oh, except a little oil. And it's the little oil that gets used to multiply and to make the miracle. If we read in Mark this story of the boy who gave his lunch away, Jesus says to the disciples, you 
give them something to eat. And he says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. He's saying, what have you got in your hand? And they came back and they said five, but only because a small boy had put it in their hands. Time and again, God uses what is brought and what is given and then multiplies it in his hands to meet need and to bring deliverance. And I bring us to these verses this morning, these words penned by Paul to the church in Corinth, because they remind us that what we have in our hands is seed. Seed that we can use for ourselves or seed that we can sow into God's hands for multiplication. And really it comes with a question for us this morning, with a choice for us to make, which is will you sow it to grow it? Will you sow it to grow it? Let's come and look at these verses then. You see, Paul is reminding the Corinthians that what they've got in their hand is seed. It's not always how we think about what we've got, and so he's reminding them. The context for the verses here is that Paul was writing to the church in Corinth because there was a famine in Jerusalem. If you want to know the background about that, you can read about it in Acts chapter 11. That happens with the letters in the New Testament. You can kind of read the story in Acts, and then you get the correspondence through the letters. So there was a famine, and many of the believers were trying to help to send provision so that those believers in Jerusalem could be helped. And Barnabas and Paul had the task of going to the churches and collecting the gift from the believers. So Paul is on his way to collect the gift. And really, he's sending a letter ahead of him to say and to encourage them to follow through on what they said they were going to do. They'd said they were going to give a generous gift. And he says, you know, don't, don't lose out on the joy of doing what you set your heart to do. Don't let the wrestle of the flesh rob you, but actually make yourselves ready to do what you said you'll do. And I bring us to his words today because I think his words can help us in this season as we come and we're turning our hearts and thinking about a vision offering and maybe asking what the Lord might want you to do and me to do. You see, Paul said to the believers, he says, give what you've decided in your heart. Be intentional about it. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. In case you're new to church or in case you've not missed what we're asking of people as we approach a vision Sunday, we're asking you to engage in a spiritual process, which simply says, I'm going to ask God, what do you want me to do with what's in my hand? What are you asking me to bring? And then we're asking you to obey him and do what he asks you to do. No compulsion, no reluctance, no pressure. We won't know what you give. This isn't about other people. This is about us and God and a spiritual process. But we're inviting every one of us to bring with joy what he asks us to bring. Paul's reminding the Corinthians, what you've got in your hand is seed. If they will sow it, they'll not only help their brothers in Jerusalem who are in desperate need, but they'll also unlock the promise of reaping. If you sow, you'll reap. And the same for us, that if we will sow the seed that we find in our hands, we can also receive the promise of reaping and also unlock the power of multiplication as we place our little into God's hands. Let's consider for a moment this principle of sowing and reaping. We've all heard probably about sowing and reaping. And Paul, kind of early on in these verses, he says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap 
generously. I don't know if anyone's grown anything in their back garden this year, some fruit and vegetables. Some people do. You know, if you don't plant any seeds, you won't get any harvest, yeah? I didn't plant anything this year. Guess what? I didn't reap anything. Or if I just planted one thing, you could expect that you're just going to reap a little bit. But if you're like Mary here, who plants all kinds of things in her garden, she, if you sow generously, then you're going to reap generously. It's, it's simple, if you like. You know, seed and fruitfulness are an inherent part of creation. If you read in Genesis 8, we've had the flood, and God makes a covenant with mankind. And as part of that covenant, he restates restate some of the principles of life on earth. He says, as long as the earth endures... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Seed time and harvest will never cease. Okay, seed time and harvest, that means sowing and reaping, they are here to stay. These are a fundamental part of the world we live in. And just like gravity is something none of us can escape from, you might decide you're not going to partake of gravity today. You don't have that choice. I'm just going to say as well, sowing and reaping, it's part of the world we live in. You can't opt out of sowing and reaping. It applies to us all, and it means, therefore, we have a choice. Because we choose the measure. We choose what we will sow with. And the measure with which you sow is the same measure with which you'll reap. So we can choose sparingly or generously. You know, you may say, but I don't have much, so I can't choose you can still choose with what you've got to sow sparingly or generously. Really, those terms are about a posture of heart rather than an amount. And Jesus, in fact, he says, we read it in Luke 6, 38. He says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You choose, thimble or bucket, as another has once said. It's up to you to choose. God will multiply what we sow. But it's up to us what we want him to multiply. Little or much we get to choose that. Now when Paul is speaking in this context here, he's speaking about in financial things. And he doesn't actually say that you reap what you sow. And this is important for us to understand, I think. There's not a promise here that you'll get back exactly what you put in. If I put this in this week, then I can think that in three months' time I might get that. He doesn't say that. Now, there is a place in Scripture where Paul does say, it's in Galatians 6, that a man reaps what he sows. But he's talking in a different context there. He's talking about our lives. He's talking about whether we'll sow our life to please the Holy Spirit or to please the sinful nature, the flesh. And he says one of those leads to life and one leads to death. In that context, you reap what you sow. Those are strong words. It's a message all of itself for another day. If you've never read the book of Galatians, why not read it this week? But here Paul is talking about the seed of our money. And there is a promise that you'll reap, but it isn't necessarily financial or just financial. He says actually something way bigger. He says, God will make all grace abound to you. All grace, grace, the provision of God to meet your need, spiritual, financial, it covers everything. He'll make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, can you say all things? All things. In all things, you'll be able to abound in every good work. 
Is there anyone interested in abounding in every good work? That sounds good. I want to live like that. And this is what Paul is saying to the Corinthians here. He's saying you'll be, you'll be enriched in every way. So you can be generous on every occasion. He's not saying I'm going to load you up with so much. He said I'm going to make you rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. You're going to abound in every good work. You're going to always have something to give when you sow. When we sow financially, yes, we may reap financially, but there are other, there is other harvest that Paul is writing about here. Maybe we'll also become kinder as we do that, maybe humbler, maybe more yielded, maybe more sensitive to the needs of others, maybe more loving, maybe more fruitful or just more ready to share with others the goodness of Jesus. Maybe we'll be more ready to encourage or to bring something prophetic. Maybe get more sensitive to God's voice. Maybe more powerful in healing. And just to make it clear, I'm not saying here we purchase this stuff. We don't purchase the spiritual things. We don't sow money to get something back from God. That's not at all what I'm saying. But you know, Jesus made it clear that he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Actually, when we, uh, our money and our hearts are intrinsically linked, which means for us to be able to sow financially requires a work of grace that is going to happen in our hearts. That's why grace can abound from us, because something of grace happens and transforms our hearts and our lives. And if our hearts get transformed, if we start being able to put and sow our treasure to serve God and to serve people, then I can guarantee the other parts of our lives are going to change because our heart is changed. There's a work of grace going on in us, transforming us from those who are just trying to get by to those who are generous living, tuned into God, tuned into the needs of others, tuned into the provision of God, the abundant grace to meet the needs of the world. Yes, you'll reap. It may be financial, but there's so much more that God wants you to reap in. He actually says he'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Your right living will produce a harvest in the people around your life. See, God is seeking to make us into a kingdom people. We're building a house here to bring the kingdom, that we would be a church full of kingdom bringers who are a generous people, that we are generous people that go out of this building into the world every week. People who will share the riches of the kingdom, who will share the blessings of God's grace, who will share the life-changing power and message of the gospel. You know, the kingdom that saves us, and many of us, we rejoice today because God has come and found us and saved us. But the same kingdom that saves us is like a seed that has been planted in us. And kingdom seed is inherently fruitful. And God is looking for it to bear a harvest, to be fruitful. We could do a whole series on that. There's so much in the Gospels where Jesus talks about the fruitfulness of the kingdom. But let me not get sidetracked today. But God is seeking for us to be a generous people. To learn how to give away of what he's put in us. Of this new life that he's sown into us. Of people who know how to give freely through whom grace can abound, who learn not to hold back. You know, there's always a link in our lives between how we behave with worldly wealth and how we behave 
with spiritual things. Jesus said this in Luke 16. So if you've not been trustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? I find those really challenging words because I want to be someone who the Lord would entrust with true riches, the riches of his gospel, the riches of his grace, that he would allow me to speak with people and minister to them. But actually, we have to be trustworthy also with worldly wealth to be trusted with the true riches of his grace and his goodness. You see, sowing and reaping, it's part of what we're called to as a kingdom people. Sowing, yes, with our money, and reaping, yes, with our money, but also looking way wider, the eternal riches that Jesus has put at our disposal. Now, Paul does say really practically, though, that the one who supplies is the one who supplies bread for food, seed for the sower, and bread for food. So when we sow, he also meets our needs. There's a practical aspect to this. The one who supplies will supply seed for the sower and bread for food. We know that he's going to meet our needs. He's going to give us what we need for today. And also as we position ourselves as a sower, you know what a sower is? You know what you have to do to be qualified as a sower? You have to sow. There's no badges, there's no certificates, there's no qualifications. It's just when you sow, then you become a sower. And when you become a sower, it's almost like the Father's supply chain can kick in for you to come and supply your, your, the bread that you need for your table and the seed that you need to sow. He'll supply it and increase it. Isn't that amazing? He says he'll meet your needs and give you bread, but also he'll supply and increase your seed. So when you commit to sow, he'll give you what you need to sow it, but then he'll also increase it so you can give more. I heard an amazing testimony recently, which was just such a brilliant example of this in the life of the church. There's someone in our church, they, they have their own business, they're self-employed, and they're, they're diligent with their finances. They tithe personally, they tithe from the business, they're really committed to doing this whole thing in a, in a godly way. But then last year when there was the higher tour, this mission to reach uh, thousands of young people across the, the West Midlands, they said they felt the Lord speak to them and ask them to give £4,000 to the message trust towards the higher tour. Now the room's gone quiet now. That's... And they knew that they would kind of, you know, they'd, they'd give them what they needed to give. They were up to date with their tithing and their giving. And this was a figure that they couldn't even afford. And they could do something through their business, but really to make it work, there was just a reserve fund that they had, which they kept because being self-employed, they knew that if ever they were ill, they wouldn't have anything, they, they couldn't work. So this was their reserve fund for making self-employment viable. And they said, I was so scared, I felt cold at the thought of giving from this pot, but I trusted God and I gave the money. So they gave the 4,000 pounds to the higher tour. Thousands of young people heard the gospel. Hundreds responded and made a commitment to Christ. Amazing. And something happened in their business. In May and June, normally the income into their business is about 6,000 pounds each month. Across those two months, they received 24,000 pounds. It doubled. They reaped. They sowed. They reaped. 
They were able to fulfill what they had said they would do and some. They had bread for food, but also in that journey, God increased their supply of seed. You see, at the same time, that person had begun a conversation with Luke and said, I would like to help someone go to Soul Survivor who can't afford it. And so we'd begun a conversation. There were numbers of people who wanted to go to Soul Survivor this summer who maybe couldn't afford the whole amount. And so what we normally do is we ask them what they can pay. And so we had a list of people and what they said they could pay. In fact, we had six people and we sent an email to this individual and said, look, we've got person A. We didn't give any names. Person A can afford 30 pounds. It means there's this much left to pay. Person B can pay 45 pounds. And we gave this total because we didn't know what they were saying. We didn't know what they were offering. We didn't know about the hire tool thing. We didn't know their business had done really well. We just said, look, there's these six people. Let us know what you want to do. She was able to come back and say, I'll help all of them. They helped all six because they'd sown and they'd reaped. God had supplied bread for food and increased their supply of seed. So they were able to sow again. Six young people go to Soul Survivor who couldn't have gone otherwise, get a life-changing encounter with God, are able to partake in building community with their peers because they sowed and they reaped. And God increased their supply of seed. And I've got to tell you as well, they're so full of joy at the journey that they've been on. Their obedience to God, of him coming through, of what they have been able to release and sow into the body that God is building. And being part of the miracle that God is outworking. There's a promise of reaping. It's not a prosperity gospel. I don't believe God is trying to make us wealthy. That might, might be shocking. So maybe some people want to leave at this point. I don't believe God is trying to make us wealthy. He's trying to make us rich in every way so that we can abound in grace. He's primarily trying to make us generous so that we can be trusted, so that we can be seed sowers. You know, I see all the time in life, you see those people who are faithful with sowing seed, they're the ones that God sends the money to because he knows he can trust them to sow it in the field. It's like, he's like, I I know the farmers I can trust. I know the ones who've got this. And they're the ones who end up being the conduits of what God is doing. If we sow, we will in time reap financially. But God wants to do more than that in us. But it's important we remember that what's in our hand is seed. And if we choose to sow it, we can open our lives up to the promise of sowing and reaping. Let's just move on briefly then and think about multiplication. Because, you know, when we understand that what we have in our hands is seed, then we understand actually that we have the potential for multiplication in our grasp. You know, when we talk about giving and receiving, then mathematically we're talking about adding and subtracting. Once we start talking about sowing and reaping, then mathematically we're talking about multiplication. And when we're getting multiplication, then increase can be exponential. It can be explosive. And sowing holds the keys to multiplication. And multiplication is inherently present in everything that God has made. It's there in the seed. Everything has a fruitfulness about it. 
If you read the creation account, everything has got fruitfulness in it. It's got seed. The plants have got seed. The trees, it says, bearing fruit with seed in it. It's almost like the account wants to make it so obvious that everything has the potential to multiply. God's design for fruitfulness is through seed. That is how it's meant to work. Excuse me. In the summer, I was at a friend's house, and uh, my friend is a, a lover of birds, and has got a little bird feeder in her garden. I think we've got a picture of one coming up here. Um, so that, you know, you get those little birds come and visit your garden. Anyone, anyone got one of those? There's a few bird lovers in the house. I've got one in my house, although I've stopped filling it up because the pigeons kept coming. Um, I do know others also who've had rats. So if you're seeing that and thinking this is a really good idea, not always a good idea. But anyway, my friend had these, put seed in them, and sure enough, lots of birds visited the garden, and that is a source of pleasure for them. That's all good. But last summer, something began to happen, which was that under the bird feeder, a sunflower began to grow. It's not really a place in the garden where anything should have been growing, but a sunflower began to grow up and grew tall, grew strong, flowered beautifully. In the summer, it was you know, a thing of beauty, if not looking a bit unusual. This is like bird feeder with just one sunflower growing underneath. Because you see, what had happened was, purely accidentally, one of the seeds had got out of the bird feeder, not by a bird. It had been sown into the ground. And as it had done that, with a bit of time and a nice warm summer, by the end of the summer, there was a big flower with a head full of seeds. One seed went in the ground last year. And then look at this picture of how many you get from a sunflower seed, from a sunflower head at the end. So it's many, many seeds. They reckon you get between 1,000 and 2,000 seeds in a full sunflower. That is significant increase. I should have done the maths before getting up here because one seed to 1,000 to 2,000 seeds, that's the kind of percentage rate, that's the kind of increase you won't get on the high street, let me tell you. Because this is the power of multiplication. And when we've got seed, we're on the edge of the power of multiplication. We're touching on that of exponential growth, of the power that is there in a seed. Now, maybe you're thinking, yeah, but that seed, we're talking about money. But Paul's words come to remind us that what's in our hand is seed. Our money is seed that can be sowed, seed that, seed that can be multiplied in God's hands. Seed that are, if you like, like the boy's loaves and fish, that if we sow them into his hands, he can multiply You know, this is what we've seen in the life of the church in the last two years. We've been unable to take a million pounds off a mortgage on this building. Not because anybody wrote a large check. If anyone is in a position to write a large check, large checks are welcome. Just let me clarify. But that isn't how the current miracle has come about. It's because many have sowed what was in their hand. And it's been brought together in God's hand. And as that has happened, then it's enabled us, as you'll have known if you've been on the journey, to develop our discipleship, to mobilize us and begin to mobilize us into mission, and then we begin to see multiplication. We begin to see more lives impacted. We begin to see more being saved, coming to Christ, finding freedom, getting whole. You know, every time somebody gets whole, I was having this conversation with Pam Rock the other day, who's our pastoral support coordinator, who journeys with people to help them get whole. Every time someone gets whole, it's never just them it impacts. 
There's brothers, there's sisters, there's husbands, there's children. It has a ripple effect. It's the power of multiplication. You impact one, you impact many. And this is happening all the time as we develop discipleship, as we mobilize into mission, as we reach out, we release the power of multiplication. As we seek to go deeper and wider in the next season, what we're believing to see is God's work of multiplication. We're looking to join with him in the reaching and the impacting of many, many lives. You know, you can actually sow any part of your life. It's not just about money. Our time, our treasure, our gifts and our talents, any part of our lives we can sow into the kingdom of God, into his purposes. You know, Jesus himself talked like this about his own life. There's a verse in John 12, 24. He's actually talking about predicting his own death. And he talks about seed. He says this. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, Jesus knew that a life is seed. What we have is seed. And he knew that that's why he'd come as the seed of the Father, to be sown and to die, to be put in the ground. But you know, whenever that happens in obedience to God, then multiplication follows. And if you've understood the gospel, then you understand that the sowing of Jesus Christ into the ground and his resurrection has meant that many sons and daughters are brought to glory, as the Bible says it. That you and I can sit here together as children of God because the son of the father, the seed of the father, was put in the ground and died and then was multiplied across the world, hundreds of millions of followers of Jesus. This is multiplication. That's why Paul finishes these verses by saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He could have said his indescribable seed, his indescribable sowing, his indescribable work because he's gone first. And look at the multiplication. Look at the fruitfulness. And we're invited to follow. That comes in the verses after that John 12 verse, I think in verse 26, it says, those who would follow him will come after him. Any part of our life can be sown. Maybe the Lord's asked you to sow something, maybe a dream, maybe a talent. But the truth is whenever and whatever we sow in obedience to God, we unleash his creative power of multiplication. This is what he does. And when we sow seed, it means the power of multiplication gets brought into play. You've got the potential of seed in your hand, which can be multiplied. And if you'll sow it in obedience to God, he will multiply it. Lamar, could you come and help me? You know, for some of us, this is new news this morning. But the stuff in my hands and in my house is seed. For some of us, it's a message that we've heard before and we know about. But, you know, I think it's good for all of us to be reminded. I'm conscious in our household over the last 20 years, on top of our tithes, we've, we've given away tens of thousands of pounds. We've been on this journey of sowing for a while now. And the joy and the challenge that it brings sometimes. And we've been sowing in faith, not out of surplus. But on the journey, we've sown and we've reaped. We've experienced at times the overwhelming abundance of God's provision. 
sometimes just of what we need, sometimes of something that seems so much more than what we need, we're humbled at the kindness of our Father. We still experience needs, like everyone in the room. We're still trusting God. This is a journey of faith for us too. But we have learned that God is no man's debtor. We've walked it, we've journeyed it, we've tasted it. I've known God personally challenge and change my own heart from being a heart that was closed to a heart that's learning to be generous. Learning, I'm still on that journey. But even having been on the journey and even having known God do things in my own heart and change my own heart and even having sown and even having reaped and even having tasted the abundance of God's goodness, still I can find in my own heart And when I come to a season like this and I ask, I find there's something inside me that goes, mine. (laughs) Thank you. There's someone. I've got a witness here. The first service just left me for dead here. (laughs) There's part of me, this is mine. And even sometimes when it comes to giving, I'm like, well, I'll give this bit to God and then I know that this bit's mine. Almost like, I I just want to know what's mine. What have I got control of? What can I... And I, I'm not proud of that. I'm, I'm trying to keep journeying with that. I know that it all belongs to God. I'm just being honest here about the journey of my heart. Because I find in myself something that I need to keep bringing to God. I can find that I'm here with seed in my hand. Sometimes much, sometimes little, but often holding it tightly with closed fists and white knuckles, like this little boy on the screen, just holding on to it. And even though Jesus has loved me so much, and even though he gave himself for me, even though he let himself be sowed in the ground, I can stand there as a Christian and say, I'm gonna keep my seed. I'll have Jesus. I can't properly embrace you with my hands like this, but I'll have that and this and anything else, but I'm gonna keep this. I can't embrace him properly with my hands like that. When I open up my hands, when I sow the seed that's in them, when I let it be planted, it opens me up to so much more. I become a sower. I get lined up with the supply chain of the Father, that he's gonna give me bread for food and supply and increase the seed that I need. It enables me to live in the promise of sowing and reaping, which has the power to change all kinds of areas of my life. And he multiplies the little ivory and allows me to be part of his miracles in the earth. The truth is I still love that story because I still, I'm moved again and again that the Lord would take the little I would bring and let me be involved in the miracles that he's doing in the earth. Bringing captives out, making them whole, helping them find life, drawing them out from the jaws of hell and letting them find Jesus Christ. And to know there's a God who loves them and came for him, for them. And there is no better story than what's in my hands can make an eternal difference when put in the hands of God. I'm simply going to invite us to stand together to respond this morning. See, as we approach a Vision Sunday, yeah, there's a a challenge for us. 
of whether we'll sow it to grow it. And I simply want to ask us this morning, can we open our hands and open our hearts to him? Maybe where you're standing today, you might physically want to open your hands. Will you dare in these next couple of weeks to say to the Lord, what, what would you like me to sow, Lord? But let the positioning of our hearts be that we would be asking the Lord to help us, that we might be those who sow and reap, that we might be those who put our seed into his hands so that he can multiply it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you gave your seed, Jesus Christ. And he came and he lived as a man. And he went to the cross. In some respect, was planted in the ground as a seed and died. But in raised to life, in being raised to life, has brought many sons and daughters to glory, has saved us, each one of us in this room today. And we thank you, Lord, for the power that is in what you put in our hands and the choices that we make with it. We thank you, Lord, that you would take the little that I could bring and you would add it into what you're doing and use it to be part of a miracle. And we thank you. We thank you for your kingdom that brings freedom and liberty and life and light. And we thank you, Lord, that you call us to be a house and a people that hold the kingdom, that have the seeds of the kingdom, that can plant it into other places and bring your life. And we just pray, Lord, help us to play the part you have for us to play. Let us miss nothing. Let us hold back on nothing. But Jesus, let us... Follow where you led, sow all that we could sow for your glory, for your honor, so that your kingdom comes and your will is done and your name is glorified and honored. We pray in the name of our King Jesus. Amen.